Hi, I'm Sherry Davis, Canada's Dogmaster and the trainer of Rex on the hit TV series, Hudson and Rex. Welcome to How to Dog. Each episode, someone like you calls in with a canine question. This week, we're talking all about dogs that solve crime. for your question. Lots of dogs have jobs providing therapy, guiding, pulling sleds, and herding sheep. But in our first part of an occasional series we're calling Dogs with Jobs, we're looking at a special kind of working dog. This week, we're calling the cops. My dog has a job in sports. He's a wide retriever Hi, everyone. A reminder that this podcast is not personal advice, and you should always consult with an expert when taking care of your own doggo. Over to you, Sherry. Later in the podcast, I'm going to talk to Marika Barnson. She is a civilian whose dog does a very difficult and special job. Marika's dog, Oakley, searches for cadavers, human bodies that may have been missing for decades in some cases. She helps bring closure to families who may have been wondering what happened to their loved ones. That's coming up shortly. But first, I have Sergeant Jim Gorley with me. Sergeant Jim is a longtime member of the Calgary Police K-9 Unit. He's a certified trainer and represents all the police dog handlers in Alberta. Sergeant Jim, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you? Thank you for having me. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Can you tell our listeners um, who you are and what you do? Yeah, certainly. Uh, so I'm a member of the Calgary Police Service. I work uh, in the best unit in the world. I work in the canine unit. I've been, uh, I've been a dog handler since 2002. So I'm pretty long on the tooth when it comes to the dog world. But uh, um, that's, what I, that's what I do for work. And uh, if you have to work, uh, I couldn't think of a better job. Okay, so I have so many questions. First question is, what kind of dogs do you use in the police force? Yeah, so in Calgary, we use about uh, four different types of breeds. Um, certainly the traditional German Shepherd um, is, a, is a dog that we continue to use in our patrol work. We use Belgian Malinois, and we're using Dutch Shepherds as well. We're using those three types of dogs for our uh, patrol uh, work. For detection work, we also use the floppy ears. So the Labrador Retrievers have proven to be an amazing dog as well. So any of those four breeds is currently what uh, what we're using in Calgary. So is it safe to say that those patrol dogs are the dogs that would possibly bite if they needed to? 100%. Yeah, yes. that's... Uh, um, that's how they hang on to people. We uh, we always joke that the dogs don't have thumbs, so their ability to hang on to someone, um, you know, with their paws, it just doesn't work. They have an amazing grip uh, with their mouth, and they bite them. That's how they hang on to someone. Right. It's not. Uh, um, it's not what most people would think of. You know, uh, an untrained dog biting someone, you know, numerous times. Uh, that's that's not what we use our dogs for. But that is just another option we have. Um, when our dogs take us to a location that we never would have been to otherwise. Well, you know, when you think of the alternative and, you know, in all honesty, um, it's a dog bite or 
a possible bullet. So, you know, uh, I'd rather have a dog bite. I hate to say it. <laughs> uh, we, uh, th- that's very true. Um, you know, a dog bite, a couple of punctures, um, often don't even require stitches. Um, and let's face it, the, the, you know, we're, we're not talking about, um, you know, tracking after, uh, offenders of a theft of a, uh, of a chocolate bar, um, right. you know, or bon la booze or something like that. Um, we're talking, uh, very, um, uh, serious offenders, um, that have had every opportunity to give themselves up and the necessity to take them into custody um, exists. We, we really can't have them um, in the community any longer. They've proven that they're too much of a threat to the community. And um, our dogs are there to find these people and, and hopefully help us uh, safely take them into custody. Okay. So you go to work and I'm just going to say nine to five. I know you guys are 24 hours, but let's <laughs> just <wish>. say, <laughs> yeah, let's just say we're nine to five. And now my shift ends, you take your police cars back to the station, you mm-hmm. leave them, you get in your own car. What do you do with your dogs? It's not that different. We, um, so our, our dogs live with us at home. Our dogs are very social beings and they need to be uh, socialized. They also need to have their downtime as well, just like us um, human beings. So uh, yesterday was my last day of my rotation. Uh, at the um, at the end of my shift, I uh, I put my my canine vehicle uh, left the, at the office, cleaned it out, and I loaded uh, my partner Piper into my personal vehicle, and I drove home. And Piper has been sleeping all day because she's tired after a long work uh, week of uh, of work. So she's relaxing, and and home is very boring for her, and she can't wait to get back to work on Monday. Yeah, so 24-7, she is your dog. She is, yeah. We certify and va- or validate together. So because, well, because she can't talk and tell me, you know, can't verbalize to me, um, you know, where or what she's thinking or what she's doing, I have to read her. I have to read her change of behavior. And um, it is very unique. My you know, this dog is different than my previous dog, how she tells me, how I read her. So I am the only one that is able to work her because I'd have to be able to, you know, um, tell a judge um, my experience with this dog, how we are partners. And I need to be able to read all her little nuances so I can confidently say this is how we arrived um, at, at this conclusion. So. If you answer your question, she's my dog. No one else can work her. Before you actually went out on the beat, how long were you in training with Piper? So we're not big enough to have a full breeding program and to raise puppies until they're physically and mentally mature enough to be police service dogs. So when we get our dogs, they're about a year and a half old. They've been raised to be you know, police service dogs, military dogs. Raised differently than how you'd have a pet raised. And right. then we, uh, if we had a new handler come in, that handler would also have to learn with that dog. We use the term green handler or green dog. Um, so that team together would take about six months of training, 40 hours a week, you know, um, regimented training for about six months before they were ready to validate. Now, if okay. we had an experienced handler with a green dog, well, dogs are so much easier to train than humans. So that six-month 
is reduced drastically because the dogs catch on way, way, way quicker than a human does. So, you know, we're, we're down to a number of months then. Um, and then if we had to do a re-team where it's an experienced handler, an experienced dog, you know, that, that's a matter of weeks. Um, so that, that gives you a bit of a timeline as to how, how we work with things. In your job, because I'm sure you're not out there chasing bad guys every single day, but you have to keep up the training or else the dogs tend to lose it or they get depressed or, you know, so how do you do that? Like, I'm sure you're not doing drug busts every day and the dogs are finding drugs. So do you continue that training even if... Yes. Okay. Yes. A hundred percent. That's exactly what we do is uh, we maintain that training right through. Um, unfortunately, we're very busy. The big city that we live in, um, in a perfect world, you know, our dogs would be bored and not actually have any calls. <laughs> but that's uh, that's not reality. Um, uh, our dogs are are very busy. Where we see the issue with our dogs is when it comes time for retirement. Now. I look forward to retirement. Personally, I look forward to that chapter of my life. Um, our dogs don't. <laughs> um, I've right. had five. Do- I've had five dogs in my tenure, um, and out of the four that I've retired, um, not one of them um, jumped up on uh, uh, on the porch, lied down, and said, "Hey, this is, this is great." They they loved coming to work. That's all they did their entire lives. So it's uh, it, it's hard to uh, to see the, um, those dogs when they retire still want to do um, the amazing work, but uh, uh, often they're at a position where you know their bodies just can't take the the rigors of patrol work day in and day out anymore. So we have to, in good conscience, retire them and try to spoil them rotten as best we can and offer them other things. You know, all officers are appreciative, but there's just the time and the commitment, uh, you know, even police officers, and I know they take their work home with them, but they don't actually take physically their work home where (laughs) canine officers physically take their work home with them. And, you know, the commitment that a canine officer puts out there, their dedication, their time, their commitment um, is is above and beyond. And how much we appreciate what you do with your dogs and how much they are loved and taken care of. And myself, I got goosebumps right now and I can't thank you enough for coming out and talking with us today, Jim. Certainly my pleasure. Thank you for the kind words. Um, we are the lucky ones. We have, uh, we have the best job in the world, but uh, I thank you for those kind words and uh, certainly my pleasure to, uh, uh, to talk dogs anytime. Sergeant Jim Gorley is the head of the K-9 unit in the Calgary Police Service. In a minute, I'm going to share with you one of my stories about Diesel. Diesel plays Rex on the hit television series Hudson and Rex, and he actually thinks he's a police dog. I have a funny story to tell y'all. We do some publicity with Diesel. And the one publicity thing we did was we went into a school and we were going from classroom to classroom to classroom. 
Not only did he search everybody's locker as we were walking down the hallway, but when we got into the classroom, it was so hysterical. The kids were all sitting in their desks. He went to every individual child and was sniffing them. And we did grades kindergarten all the way to grade nine. He was checking out their bodies, checking out their desks. I think he was actually looking for something illegal that the kids might have had with them. My next guest is Marika Barnson. She is a civilian whose dog, Oakley, is trained to seek out deceased human bodies that may be hidden in a forest, underground, in water, or almost anywhere. It's a very special skill that requires intelligent, restraint, and an astonishing sense of smell. Marika, how are you? I'm good, Sherry. How are you today? We're good. We're good over here. You have a very unusual and uh, extremely spe- uh, specialized profession, which is you actually handle cadaver dogs. That's right. It, I, it's actually a volunteer position, but um, yes, I do have uh, cadaver dogs. I'm on my second cadaver dog currently. And so can you explain to people what a cadaver dog does? Yes, a cadaver dog is a, a dog that is trained to locate human remains. Um, properly trained cadaver dogs are adept at finding bodies, no matter what their location is or what their state of decay. Um, basically, their role is to uh, provide grieving families with closure after the tragedy of losing a loved one. Um, they can help with locating victims after a natural or a man made disaster, as well as help uh, law enforcement uh, solve. Um, any kind of cases that that they need help with. And um, in my instance, I also do investigations, uh, uh, fire investigations. They can find human remains that are older than a recent death? That's correct. Um, They can locate um, human remains that that are recent. They can locate uh, buried remains. They can locate remains um, from drowning victims. When you say that uh, your dogs can do water searches, if we're out on a lake, does that mean that they're out on a boat or do they swim? Like how, how does it work? What happens is the dog um, is able to help narrow a search area for a drowning victim. And the way that they can do this is, is they can't really pinpoint where the victim is right underneath the water. But once um, a person is deceased, the body will start off-gassing and the gas will be carried by the current and then it'll come out of the water. Basically, it rises out of the water and then the wind currents will take, take that odor and that's a, a trained target odor for the, for the dogs. So you, when they're running off a boat, they'll be able to, to give you an area of interest. and. Um, Usually we try to triangulate that area with shoreline if the shoreline is accessible and if the winds are in, in favor of doing that. And after that, we will come in with a sonar team. And once we can get a target on the sonar, then we bring in a dive team. These dogs are actually enjoying their jobs. Oh, I mean, Java was, was a prime example of that. Um, I just lost him here two weeks ago. Sorry, it's oh. a little hardy still. Um he was almost 11 years old, and I've been working him since he was basically eight weeks old. And from the time he was three months old, he was put on on over. 
And that's all that dog wanted to do was work. Um, no the day way. Before I, yeah, the day before I took him into the into the vet, um, we train him on on remote boxes. So basically, when they hit the box with the target odor, they get they get their reward. So with Java, um, he he loves to tug because he loves the interaction with with me as a handler. Um, but he also loved having a ball, and then he'd prance around like he won a million dollars, right? So the day before I took him into the vet, we we let him run boxes, and I mean, if if a dog could smile, that's what he was doing every time he got his reward. And he had health issues, and you know, he was almost eleven, and that dog truly did live to work. So he he still knew what his job was at eleven years of age. Yeah, he actually um, still worked a couple of cases for me in June and July, and and was bang on successful. Wow. You know, it's amazing. It, it all comes down to the training, you know, respect the animal and they respect you. And if you're training properly, you know, that's the thing, right? They just love it. it it's their, it's their itch, right? It definitely, it does come to training, but I, I do love the fact that you are bringing up um, about the dog needing to love their job. If you, if you don't have the dog with the right drives, yeah, it can work, but you as a handler are going to have to work twice as hard to try to get the dog to understand their role. Um, and you're, you probably won't have as much success with that dog. So for me, there's, there's a couple of things that are super important when you are training these dogs for, the, for this role for human remains detection. Um, I basically say there's, there's about... There's four things that, that I look for. Um, you know, one, and, and it starts with the drive. The, the dog has to have the right drive. Right. Um, then you have to imprint the dog properly. After the imprinting, you start your training, and, it, and it's like building a house. And if, if you're building a house and you don't build the foundation properly, yeah, it's going to crumble on you. So if you're trying to speed up anything and, and you take shortcuts, it'll bite you in the long run. Um, and then for me, the biggest thing I see after that is that you have to have an indication or a trained final response for a detection dog. And I always tell people that, <laughs> that you know, you know, one day my dog does this and in a different instance, the dog does that when you ask them for their fine trainal response or their indication. I, I don't like that answer and I, I will never train my dogs that way because I I believe that if you don't have an indication, you don't have a detection dog. Yeah. And, and just for our listeners who don't know what that means, an indication can be as uh, something like a sit or they could bark or they could lie down. An indication is a clear indication that the dog is telling its handlers that it's found something. Is that is that correct? That's correct. And, yeah. and it's something that you as a handler um, would have to able to articulate. Now, sometimes when your dog is in a stressful situation or under conditions where maybe they can't produce that trained final response or indication, um, like for me, I train my dogs to to give a sit when, when they hit target odor. Um, but let's say they're on a rubble pile and they're trying to sit and maybe their tail, their tail set has, has hit a piece of rubble. 
in that dog's mind, he's already sitting. So as a handler, you also have to be able to read what we call like pre, pre-alert indications, pre-alert behavior. You'll see a change in behavior in, in the dog. Um, when they're working, like a lot of odors um, are kind of in a, in, a, in a cone. So when your dog hits scent cone, you can actually watch a dog hit each edge of the scent cone and then work its way into the good odor. And it's, it's fascinating. Like I, I am always just amazed at what these dogs can find. You know, it's funny you say about coning and the different ways that they track, but I absolutely think it's one of my favorite things to watch a dog work independently like that. And dog and, and handler have to be so in tune with each other. They do, and and that was that was one thing about Java. Like, and I think as as a handler, and I I think that goes into any kind of animal training. Anybody who's worked horses or or really any kind of animals for for any kind of a job, um, you're so in tune to that animal. You know when that animal isn't feeling well, even if if you bring it to a vet and and the vet doesn't maybe see that very slight limp, you know it's there um, because you are are working with them twenty four seven. How long did it take you to train Java? He was 15 months when he passed his first certification, and then he passed it on an annual basis ever since. Wow. So you you worked with him right through from the time he was a baby. That's correct, yeah. And then Oakley, my, my new um, cadaver dog, I got him when he was eight weeks old. I went back to the same breeder. So they're both um, Dutch Shepherds. And can any breed of dog do this? Or is it specific to certain dogs? I think you, you need, a, again, you need a dog with high drive. You need a dog that that has, like, kind of an elongated nose so that they have a good olfactory system. I don't think a, a pug, like, no offense to pugs, I love them, but I don't think, a, you know, a short-snouted dog would do very well with detection. I've never seen it, but I've seen all, I've seen all kinds of dogs for um, search dogs and and cadaver dogs. What brought you to the, like, what made you say, wow, I think I want to train a cadaver dog? (laughs) Insanity. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I I started, my first dog was a live find dog, and I heard about uh, cadaver dogs. My my older brother passed away from um, a terminal illness when he was 26, and you know I just saw what that did to our family as as a unit. I just I can't imagine a family never having that closure, and that's where I just became super passionate about what I was doing, and I I really enjoy you know training the dogs and watching them progress and helping other handlers as well and. Well, hopefully our listeners have learned a lot um, about what you're doing out there. And I'd like to thank you so much for being with us today. And I wish you all the best of luck with Oakley, your new dog. Thank you. Yes, he's, he's, uh, I always call him little man because of course Java was the demon, but uh, Oakley is definitely filling Java's uh, shoes or his paws. So I'm very proud of Oakley. Um, Even at his young age, he, He's already had confirmed fines as well, so I'm very proud of him. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks again, Sherry.
Marika Barnson is a part of the Western Cadaver Dog Association, which is a nonprofit society based in Alberta that provides highly trained cadaver dog teams to the police and other investigators. I'm Sherry Davis, Canada's Dog Master, and you're listening to How Do Dog, the podcast that answers all your canine questions. It never ceases to amaze me how talented dogs can be, especially those that do work fighting crimes and assisting police. Just like people, not every dog is cut out for police work, but those that are do it very, very well. I hope you learned as much from Sergeant Jim and Marika as I did. We'll have more episodes featuring dogs with jobs in the future. In the meantime, don't forget to give us a good review and please call us at one 833 how to dog with your burning canine questions next week we're going to learn a lot about grooming and keeping your dogs free from ticks and other pests thanks to this caller hi my name is ashley uh my dog decided to pick a fight with a skunk and came back home smelling like he had lost that battle, uh, and I panicked, so now I'm calling to find out what you actually do when a dog gets skunked. Thanks so much. How to Dog is hosted by Sherry Davis, produced by Devin Langell, Carrie Hayden, and Adam Killick. Editing and mixing by Adam Killick. Research by Nicole Saltz. How to Dog is a Shaftesbury podcast and part of the Frequency Podcast Network. You can find more great shows at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com. Copyright 2021, Shaftesbury. Shaftesbury.